Hello and welcome to the Whatcom Dads podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Mark Bagley. I'm Nathan Dwyer. And I'm Chris Roselli. And this week, we get to be interviewed by our friend who will become a first-time dad to answer his questions. We discuss how to talk to your kids about death and dying. And on Whatcom Dads Recommend, we talk about different local toy stores. So stick with us. Gentlemen, we're back. It's a Sunday night. We must be recording episode 18. 18. It's one of my favorite numbers. We're legal. We are legal. We can vote. We can't. uh, Oh, yeah, we can vote. We can buy tobacco. Yeah, we can buy tobacco. We can't buy marijuana or alcohol yet. We can go to war. We can be drafted. We can drink in Mexico. All right, Mark. I owe your daughter an apology. And why is that, Nathan? Well, it was pointed out to me by a friend in a very thought-provoking and non-critical way that my comment about being surprised that she would enjoy a car show uh, sort of plays into gender roles. Gender stereotype, yeah. Gender stereotypes. And I try so hard not to do that, especially with my kids. My daughter watched car racing with me today. My son has dolls, and I just slipped back into it, and I know better and I want to be better. And I think gender roles is a topic we should tackle at some point. But uh, Allie, if you're listening, I am sorry for that. It may take more than that. Uh, I, I guess sincere apology though, to, uh, to repair the damage that you've done. Do you think she even listened? Uh, no, she didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's interesting you say that, though, Nathan, because I listened to the podcast, and when you did say that, um, you know, I didn't really think a whole lot of it, but I do remember sort of thinking, huh, yeah, that, I mean, it was a gender stereotype, but, but I am super aware of that stuff because I am raising two daughters, right? It's just, it's something that I never would have been aware of until I had two kids, two daughters on my own. Well, I appreciate that, Chris, and your experience with two daughters, but I also have two daughters. So I know, but they're, I know. Yeah, I guess I know, but they're, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. They're old enough now. And I do have an announcement to make. My two-year-old is now three. So we have no business talking about two-year-olds anymore. There we go. They keep getting older, no matter how much you want to keep them small. Yes, they do. Um, Yeah. Mine just turned 12. Same day. I know they are birthday buddies. They are birthday buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, do you guys watch the show This Is Us? Yes. Speaking of car seats. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Man. How timely was that? It's perfect. It's oh perfect. Oh, my gosh. I told Annette that uh, we should have the cast listen to the podcast just so they understand what to do. And, Chris, you sent me a picture of an article about car seat cleanliness. Yeah, it was in the Costco Connection magazine, and there was this whole piece about how the the child seat in a car is the dirtiest, most bacteria-infested uh, surface in the entire car. And what? most people, most people, right? <laughs> the, the car seat is so disgusting. I mean, it's so gross. And most people don't wash the liner. Um, and so the article talked about how you really need to wash the liner and keep the car seat clean. I think that when our kids finally got out of the car seats that 
we took the liner out and you, you've heard those um, experiments when it's really, really cold. If you put your jeans in water and they stand up by themselves, that's how our liner was when we took it out of our car seat. It just stood up by itself. It was so gross. We did have to move Ellen off of the latch, uh, the latch system to the seatbelt system. So Erica's advice on the proper way to do that was timely as she had just bumped up over that. We also talked about hobbies last week and Mark, I learned on social media yesterday that the hobby you shared with your son must have caught on because did he provide color or play-by-play for three sporting events in one day yesterday? Yes, he is the voice of Western Washington University Vikings softball and they had a doubleheader that began at noon and didn't end until 5 45. So it was five and a half hours of Ben Bagley talking to himself. And then he sprinted to Carver Gym where he did color commentary on the women's basketball game. So he had a very busy day yesterday. My gosh. Imagine if you had not introduced him to sports. He may not be uh, so deeply entrenched these days. As a college senior or junior? Uh, He's a fourth year student, but he'll be there for a fifth year. So you could call him a junior or a senior, but uh, he's loving it. He's so grateful for the opportunity and he really, really loves it a lot. And he's good. He's really good. He's not too bad for a punk kid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We always talk about how long it's been since Mark has had little kids. And for Chris, it's been a little while for you. So we're going to play a quick game here. When I was at Hagen this week, I looked at five typical things you buy for a baby or toddler. And you guys are going to guess how much these things cost. And we're going to see which one of you is better at doing this. And this is the retail price at Hagen locally here. So Mark's going to go first on this one. How much does a 25 pack of Huggies size three diapers cost? $19.99. Chris? $26. Oh, you both shot over. It's only $11.69 for the 25-pack. Look at that. That's like like 40 cents a diaper. All right, Chris. A tub of Similac formula, 12 ounces of powder. What does that go for these days? Nine bucks. I was going to say $9.99. $19.29. Oh, my gosh. See? Wow. Mark, back to you. A two-pack of Phillips toddler pacifiers. Oh, that can't be more than four seventy-five. Seven bucks. Six ninety-nine, Chris. <laughs> if this was prices right, you would have won both showcases. You darn no, right. No, 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 no. I would have gone no. over. Yeah. Price is right. You can't go over. Well, we're not playing prices right rules. We're playing closest to. All right, two left. Chris, a two-pack of Gerber sweet potato baby food. Two two-ounce portions. Uh, those little plastic cups, is that what those are? That's right. Um, two fifty-nine. I'm gonna say a buck seventy-four. Ooh. A tube of Desitin diaper rash cream. What do you think, Mark? Oh, I buy that all the time at my age. I need it. So <laughs> um, that runs me uh four seventy-nine. Chris, boy, that's really close. I bet. Uh, I'll say uh, three seventy nine. 
Ooh, the Desitin is $6.29. Jeez. Mark is the winner on Guess the Price. My gosh. Get mine on clearance at the dollar store. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's, it stings a little bit, but it gets the job done. Robinson and Cole Attorneys is proud to be a sponsor of the Wacom Dads podcast. Located in downtown Bellingham, Robinson and Cole has been representing the injured and disabled of Wacom County since 1979. If you or someone you know has been injured in an auto accident or suffered an on-the-job injury, Call Robinson and Cole to schedule a free, no-obligation video consult with one of their five attorneys. Their attorneys have over 100 years of experience litigating cases against insurance companies and the Department of Labor and Industries. Call 360-671-8112 to schedule an appointment. So this week, we are joined by a dear friend. He is expecting his first child uh, later on this summer, and we thought it would be fun for him to toss any questions he has as he awaits the birth of his child so that we can give him some thoughts and maybe he can learn from our mistakes. So joining us this evening is our friend Ross Zimmerman. Hey, Ross, how are you? Hey, guys. I'm doing great. Really happy to be here, and um, what a what a pleasure to be sharing this time with you guys been listening to the show for a really long time and didn't know if i was going to be anticipating heeding any of the advice from the show but lo and behold here i am well you're heeding our advice you're in big trouble man i (laughs) I was gonna say listen to everything we say and then just do the opposite and you'll be fine i have to say you guys you guys make it sound like uh like it's not too hard so i respect and uh appreciate all your input well just remember ross you got to take a test to get a driver's license but any schmo can be a dad so um don't give chris at least chris and i too much credit for uh, anything that we uh did or didn't do correctly it doesn't take a whole lot of effort either <laughs> <laughs> so ross uh you're about four months out from the due date give us one adjective that best describes how you've been feeling about this Excited. It's it's quite an interesting passage of time, uh, given the combination of pandemic and um, expecting a, a first child. So it's really been a whirlwind, but we're extremely excited for what's to come. Well, the floor is yours, sir. Ask away whatever it is that you think, <laughs> you think we might be able to help with. <laughs> I think you guys are very kind for giving me absolutely zero parameters for the the questions that I get to ask you here today. So uh, hopefully you don't regret that decision going forward. But um, so I'm going to start. What are some of the things that you really focused on and or stressed about too much before your first child was born? I think I was really wrapped up in this packing list for the hospital and all the things that we had to put in the bag and we had a list and it's not going to surprise the other guys that the list was laminated and, (laughs) and, and I know that when we got to the hospital, we had this duffel bag and we had everything you could possibly need for 
a month, but uh, we only used about 20% of it. So do I still feel good that we had everything in the bag? Yes. But in hindsight, in each of the three times that we had a child, uh, we were way overpacked. So don't stress too much about the going to the hospital bag. And to go off what you said, Nathan, um, one thing I stressed about was that everything needed to be perfect for the arrival of the baby. And it, it, it didn't need to be, I mean, you, you can never, it's never going to be perfect. And so you just get it the best you can. You make sure that you have the car seat, you make sure the crib is built. Other than that, you got to have some diapers on hand. Yeah, it doesn't have to be perfect because the whole thing of being a dad is not perfect. And the little kids aren't perfect. They, you know, so don't, don't stress about that. Yeah, I agree too. Uh, Amy and I had a birthing plan. We knew, I mean, Amy was going to relax in the tub in the, in, in the hospital room and uh, sit on a ball. And, uh, you know, we, we had all these ideas of what we were going to do. And of course we, none of those ever happened. I mean, it, the, any plan we had completely went out the window um, and that's okay. Uh, because uh, we had really great nurses and great doctors who guided us. Yeah, the birth plan helps you sort of wrap your head around what could happen, but know that it's not going to go according to the plan to a T. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. That's wonderful advice. Thank, Thank you, guys. And what do you wish you did or learned more about to prepare yourself for the arrival of your first child? We were pretty, I felt like we were pretty darn prepared. Uh, Amy and I, we, we read our uh, quite a few books. I will say um, what to expect when you're expecting. Throw that out the window. If you guys are thinking about reading, I, that was my least favorite book. I mean, it was, there were so many things that Amy was reading. You know, if you're out of breath when you get to the top of the stairs, it could be A, that you're seven months pregnant or B, your child is going to be born with seven eyeballs. And so like there was a point where I literally grabbed the book out of Amy's hand while we were laying in bed and I threw it across the bedroom. And I was just like, you're done reading that book. That is like so. So I think that um, if we in our specific case, and I think every kid is different. Everybody's case is different. um, Amy didn't produce breast milk. And we didn't know that was going to happen. And so we didn't know to prepare for that. But uh, we didn't know that we were uh, sort of essentially starving Lexi uh, when um, when we were when she was a baby. And it wasn't until we were going through the process and realized that she wasn't gaining weight um, that we we realized that. So I think getting through some of those things. But, you know, it's there's just so many unexpected things that happen. When coming, when you have a baby that, uh, you know, I think again, you, you can't over learn, you can't over prepare. Um, you just have to be ready to adjust. Yeah, I would, I would say maybe instead of reading the what to expect book, you start to read the books on child development or discipline. I think going back, I didn't really get excited about proactive, intentional parenting until maybe Ellen was about four. And I took the first parenting class that I took. And then I sort of had this mindset shift that, oh, parenting doesn't just have to be reactive. Something happens, then you go read about it. Then you look it up on YouTube. There's 
you know, there's ways that you can continue to educate yourself and make yourself a better parent before those things arise. So I think just kind of committing to that ahead of time. Ross, I'd say one thing to do to prepare for this massive change that's coming to your life is to figure out um, how you and your wife are going to share the responsibilities, especially at the beginning of parenting this baby. Who's going to be getting up in the middle of the night? Who's going to be changing the poopy diapers? Who's going to be doing the laundry? How can you support her and how can she support you? I don't think that we talk enough about that beforehand because we're so focused on the baby. But I think a lot a lot of problems arise when the parents don't also focus on each other and at least have an understanding that things are going to be really, really different. Our relationship is going to change and we need to be, be prepared for that change. Mark, I couldn't agree more. And I think uh, along those same lines too, Ross, is think about as the baby comes, what you and Kristen are going to do to make sure that you are nurturing your relationship with one another, because the baby will, of course, take all that focus away. And, uh, you know, eventually the baby's going to be gone and you're going to need to still have uh, Kristen around as your spouse and um, to be able to have a good, strong relationship with her. So uh, you want to make sure that you you nurture that. That's wonderful. Thank you guys. I, uh, sounds like I have some, some work to do and some research to do, but I'm, I'm certainly prepared to do all of that and, and make all of those things happen. So I appreciate that input. What is one piece of advice that you have for an expecting dad? My advice for you, Ross, is that no matter how much time you put into preparing for the birth and no matter how many cribs you build and strollers you put together, you are never ready for how this is going to rock your world and change your life. People can tell you, you can read books, you can watch videos, you can take advice from three knuckleheads like us. But until that baby comes home with you, you have absolutely no idea how different your life is going to be. Don't get down on yourself. Just just understand you're never really going to be ready. The, the barrage of useless advice uh, that comes your way when you have, when you're expecting a baby, um, uh, even though I think people mean well, uh, Amy and I got the best piece of advice. I think I've shared this on the podcast before. Our good friend, John Reisland said, uh, relax, it's been happening for thousands of years and you're going to be just great. Yep. And that's the advice I would give you. Yeah, I think there's a documentary, it might be called Baby or Babies, and it shows how babies are brought up in different cultures. And Yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah, there's like babies that are just rolling around in the dirt. They end up okay. I think my piece of advice, you're going to have to go forward a couple of years to maybe when they're a toddler. And it was one of the hardest things for me to do. And I think it's hard for a lot of dads to do, because as guys, we don't talk a lot about feelings. But one of the hardest things for me to do was to sort of start to connect with my kids about their feelings. And I had difficult naming, difficulty naming my feelings, talking about them. And so being able to develop that relationship with them and trying to make them 
be compassionate and caring and responsible, really sort of had to rewire my own brain to know that talking about feelings was okay. And the more I could talk to them about it, uh, I was able to, I think, connect better with them. I think that's, that's really great advice, Nathan. And I, I see that as taking any type of what you might consider a weakness for yourself and trying to use your new child as a, an opportunity to, to turn that into a strength for them or a learning experience for yourself. What were your favorite things to do to coddle and support your significant other during their pregnancy? Dairy Queen blizzards. Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Yeah, I mean, you have to sort of uh, take sort of like a servant's heart and know that they are in a very difficult situation. And as the pregnancy progresses, they're going to be less able to do chores and cook meals and things like that. But to spoiler, uh, the quickest way to her heart was was that blizzard. So if you can figure out what it is for your wife that will just cheer her up, help her get her through another tough day, find it and use it off, use it often. Yeah. For us, it was, uh, uh, I massaged Amy's feet every night. So we get into bed I'd massage her feet. Uh, and, uh, it was also a nice time for us to be able to just kind of connect and talk about, um, where we were excited and maybe if we had some worries and things like that. And, uh, uh, so that, um, that was, uh, that was really one of the ways that I could, uh, certainly help support her. Uh, the other thing is, is, uh, she had some, uh, uh, some back pain. And so I would actually, we would sleep, uh, back to back to one another. And, uh, I would push my, my rear end up against her back so she could lean on it and it would be a counter pressure, which felt good to her. So that's, uh, so, uh, we, we slept like, uh, like an angry couple, <laughs> for like the final month of of the pregnancy uh, back to back, just because it it was a lot more comfortable for her. Nothing, nothing super creative, but the way to my wife's heart is through chocolate. And so um, making sure that uh, there was chocolate in the house, ice cream in the house, that was always good. And then like Nathan said, just doing whatever you can, because I mean, they're carrying a human child in their belly. I mean, it's a human child. A human I'm glad, child. I'm glad that you uh, that that you uh, clarified that because you could have a non-human child. Sometimes, sometimes my son can be a non-human child. <laughs> just kidding, Ben. Um, so yeah, just uh, their body's going through so many changes. There's so much going on there. Patience, helping hands. Just, just be a good person to your wife. I would like you to tell me about your first and worst diaper changing experience. <laughs> Have you guys seen some of those YouTube videos of dads changing diapers, like yeah. gagging? It's, they're, ridic- they're- it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So Never Ross gagged like that. No, Ross, man up and change the diapers. You got to do it because it. The, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to um, offend any dads out there who don't change diapers, but come on guys change the diapers do yeah. your part yeah and there are some nasty nasty blowouts there they go they go up, up the, the back, back down the legs oh my god the the boys pee when they're trying to it's it's a disaster but it's which 
I did not know this until Alyssa was almost out of her onesies. I had no idea the little shoulder folds on onesies are there so you can pull the onesie down. So when there's a blowout, you can pull it the other way. Poor Lexi. We pulled blowout onesies over the top of her head. <laughs> her entire <laughs> had no idea that that's what that was there for. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's really funny. I remember, Ross, the first ones were very, um, the colors were very interesting. Yellows and greens. And the meconium, that first that first week, the tar, that black tar that you need like a pressure washer to get it off the baby. Yeah, the the, the colors were really, really, they caught me off guard. Um, <laughs> but you're going to have some nasty, and they're going to smell so bad. And you're just going to have to just take things and just, oh my God, it's... Just yeah, it's it's a it's a mess. But you know what? Don't back away. Don't back down. Change the diaper. They don't smell bad until they start eating solid food. I mean, they they're like they have a smell to them. But it's, if they're just on formula or breast milk, it's not that bad. It's when they start like tearing into some protein and corn, then you've got yourself a a something to deal with. I actually, there's two two thoughts, Ross. One is we were actually eating a Boomers uh, when Lexi was uh, was a baby, and sitting in the little wooden high chair that they have. And the wooden high chair uh, has kind of like a little ridge where the kid sits in. And we had no idea until we went to pull Lexi out of her high chair; she had completely blown out the back. And I mean, it was it was. I mean, we're in the middle of boomers, which is. I mean, everybody's watching us, and it. I mean, we're going through baby wipe after baby wipe after baby wipe. <laughs> so embarrassed. So, Chris, and, at uh, that point, you just go up to the cashier and say, "I'd like to buy that high chair." Exactly. Yeah. It was so disgusting. <laughs> uh, so, and I, my very first baby, I, I grew up with, uh, I was 12 years older than my youngest brother. And so I changed diapers, but I had never changed a f- girl's diaper that I can recall until uh, my own kids. And there's a lot of cracks and crevices and folds. And, and Amy was just like, Chris, you are not getting everything. You like, look at this. You are missing all all of this. And of course, learning how to wipe from front to back and all those other things too. Totally different thing. But I, I, I had no idea how much uh, effort it would take to make sure that I got a girl clean. Boys, I don't know. There's just, it's just, it's just simpler. I don't know why. Well, Ross, this has been fantastic. I am so glad that you had the opportunity to pepper us with questions. Uh, Maybe there'll be an opportunity to catch up with you when you're in the throes of it during the first weeks and months, and we can check in and see how you're doing. How about a live podcast from the delivery room? Oh, good idea. I'm in. Ross, what do you think? I There's someone else that I might have to ask about that. So I'll, I'll have to get back to you. Right. The doctor will be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> or we could, uh, we could have uh, listeners write in with what the name should be for your son. There you go. Oh, there you go. I love that. We're open to suggestions. It has to go I would with Zimmerman though, to, right? Yeah. <laughs> has to go with, not necessarily. We're open to all names and, uh, would love to hear some suggestions for sure. Listeners out there, if you suggest a name and Ross chooses it, we will get you a Whatcom Dads podcast hat. So Woo-hoo! if that's not incentive enough, I don't know what <laughs> is. And on that note, Ross, thanks so much, man. 
best of luck to you. Can't wait to watch you go through this. Thank you for having me, guys. This has been really great. I appreciate all your wonderful advice. I hope that we get an opportunity to do this again soon. I'm happy for you, man. You're going to be a great dad. You really are. Congratulations. Well, guys, when we chose this week's parenting topic to discuss, I didn't really realize that we would be going at odds between this joyful occasion with Ross about having a new baby and then deciding to talk about death and dying. But something that does come up and something that's important to really uh, have a plan maybe in place on how to deal with it with your kids. I know that when my wife's grandmother was sort of coming to the end, we bought a couple of books and tried to intersperse those in reading with the kids to sort of prepare them for what eventually was going to happen. And I think that did go a long way for them having some frame of reference. There's some links to articles in the show notes, along with a podcast that I enjoyed from NPR Parenting Life Kit that talks a lot about how Sesame Street handled death on that show when the actor that played Mr. Hooper died in real life. And so Big Bird goes through processing that. Chris, not to put you on the spot, but I know that you've uh, dealt with this within the last seven or eight years with uh, your family. Yeah. um, Yeah. My mom passed away uh, uh, seven and a half years ago and uh, it was unexpected and uh, Lexi was, um, she was about, what, six, and Alyssa was about three. So, of course, you know, there's there's all sorts of uh, uh, emotions that came along with it naturally, and then um, trying to figure out how to spread the news to the girls. So I did what I think most people would do, I went to the internet. <laughs> And started reading, how in the world do we tell the girls that grandma um, died? Really, the best advice that we that we read was that kids are black and white, you know, so don't say that grandma went to sleep um, because that's confusing. Um, kids really don't necessarily know exactly clearly what heaven is. And does that mean they get to come back from heaven? Is that, you know, really it's, you know, grandma died means that she, you know, her body um, stopped working and, uh, and she's gone. And so um, she's not coming back. And uh, that was, it was, um, Alyssa was three, she was too young. Lexi was six. And uh, we had a conversation with her about it. And I didn't realize how hard it was going to be to have that conversation with my own child to tell her that my own mother uh, had died. Um, that was really hard. And, um, but she was very black and white. Uh, Oh, she died. Okay. And she was, um, she understood it. And I remember seeing exactly when it hit and it, and it hit her, uh, achingly hard. Um, she cried and, uh, but then five minutes later she was fine and, uh, went off and played. So that was, that was, uh, that was surreal to have that kind of, um, thing happen. Um, and more than anything, because they were so young, uh, the, the biggest thing that we've tried to do, Amy and I have tried to do is just keep her memory alive. Um, so the girls have photos of grandma in their bedrooms and, uh, we certainly tell a lot of stories and see videos and things like that. The resources I looked at this week indicated that depending on the age of the child, there are different 
feelings that they might have uh, in relation to hearing this sort of news. At age seven, it starts. They start to understand the concept of it being permanent. One important thing is for you as a parent to be able to share your own emotions with them. And if you're crying and they ask you why, you tell them why. Um, but sort of trying to hide how you're dealing with the grief from them would seem to be counterproductive. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, we were very open with Lexi, especially um, about you know this dad. Dad's going to be. We're all going to be very sad. And 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 you know, for us, because my mom died unexpectedly, we had three days to find a plot in a cemetery. We had to put together a funeral. We had to do all of that stuff. And it was a, a lot of, a, a lot of things to do in a very short amount of time that was also taking us away from focusing on our kids. And so we had to really kind of communicate all of that very clearly with the kids too, um, kind of about how emotional it was and that it was sad. And, um, and, and kids are amazing, right? I mean, they're super resilient. And if you are open with them about your feelings and your emotions, they respond accordingly. So Lexi, especially as a six-year-old, was super sensitive and snuggly with me and giving me kisses and hugs. And <laughs> funny enough, a lot of the things that I needed <laughs> to, get, to get through some of that. So we've been incredibly fortunate in our family not to have had a lot of death close to us um, for the kids. And when Annette's grandparents died, so the kids' great-grandparents, when great-grandfather died, Ben was very upset because they were very close. And when great-grandmother died, Allie took it really hard. And, you know, I didn't do a really good job of um, handling the situation with the kids, I guess. I can, I can tell you why in a, in a second. But we didn't realize how hard Allie took the death of her great-grandma until we got a call from her school. And they called us in and said, you know, Allie's a really good student. She's on top of things. She's just she's not getting her work done something's going on has something happened in your family recently or at home that we that you would consider maybe traumatic and that said oh yeah well my grandma died in the last couple months and Allie burst into tears during the session with the teacher and we had no idea that Allie was processing it the mm. way she was and was so upset about it and I don't think it was, it wasn't because we weren't in tune with her. She was just doing it all internally. But thank goodness for that teacher to call us and to ask the question because we had not even thought about that. And the reason I say that I never did a really good job of that with the kids in processing death is, you know, growing up Catholic, I was around death and we talked about death all the time. I mean, when I was in grade school, I was probably an altar boy at two funerals a week. And it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. And, you know, if, if, if you're, you know, anyone in the, in, a, in the Christian faith, you know, you talk about Jesus dies. And I guess in my, I can't remember ever talking about it growing up about death. And so we never really talked about it with our kids as well, because I just assumed that they kind of knew because I knew. And that was a, probably a pretty bad oversight on my part, looking back at it. Sure. 
Sure. And I had a little of the opposite experience. Aside from any funeral I might have attended as a child that I don't remember, the first funeral I attended that I remember, I was 28 years old. So somehow I went through just the vast, vast majority of my life without anybody close dying who lived nearby. I had more distant relatives. and But so, yeah, so myself, my own processing of it, I really haven't had to do that. And we talked about it in the pet episode early on, you know, having a pet and dealing with the death and teaching kids about death through the death of a pet. You don't want to minimize death ever, but that can be a good way to teach your children about the permanency of death and what it actually means. It's hard. I agree. But, you know, that's, it's just kind of a reality. We had two, we had two goldfish die this week in our house. Ooh, oh man. That's a, that's a tough week. And each, each child has their own guppy. And so uh, Ben's survived and uh, Ellen's went first, which I think was helpful because she was the oldest and she could process it. And then Molly's went two days later. And so by that point, she didn't really understand, but she knew that we had already buried Ellen's. As of yesterday, we're back up to three. Some new folks joined the tank. But yeah, it really is a good time to talk about it. Another thing is like when they're outside playing with bugs and things, I mean, they're bound to come across dead bugs or step on a bug. Just showing them like here is something that's dead. It can't breathe. It can't move. But talk about blowing a young kid's mind with the whole concept of death. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a big deal. And yeah. so parents, we got to put a lot of thought into how you do that because that's, that's a big concept for anyone to deal with. And it was, it, it really did click with her when we, when we said grandma's body stopped working. I mean, it, to, to just sort of, you know, when, when something stops working, it's, it's done, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's over. Yeah, but sometimes, but, but sometimes, Chris, you can take something to the shop and get that fixed if it stops working. Yeah, that's true, too. That's true, too. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to argue with you. I mean, it works no, for you. you're right. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. One thing that we also uh, wanted to make clear to her, too, that uh, it just happens. It wasn't her fault. It's nobody's fault. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no guilt. That it, that it's, yeah, right. Exactly. Right. So, right. Chris, you said that you know, after a little while, she just went and started playing again. Was it the sort of thing that she needed to process over time, over a period of days, weeks, months? Yeah, we had lots of conversations over over months. Um, and part of it was because, I mean, we, I mean, boy, we had to go through my mom's wardrobe a month later. You know, there was all sorts of things that we had to do. So it was always resurfacing anyway. Um and yeah, if there was ever a photo that we would find or something like that, that it would we'd always really we uh, Lex Lexi wanted us to sit down and talk about grandma again, and so we were always um, revisiting conversations about grandma, and we still do now, uh, of course, um, to keep her spirit alive. And as we've said a thousand times on this podcast, or we should say a thousand more, is so grateful for spouses. Amy was so incredibly supportive, not only to me as her spouse, but she was so incredible in helping Lexi and Alyssa understand and process. And of course, 
whenever I needed a break for whatever reason, Amy was on it watching and playing with the kids. So certainly couldn't have done any of that without Amy. And like a lot of things we talk about, if you're having difficulty with it or it's not going well, don't be afraid to get outside help on this or any other topic. Or just Google that Sesame Street episode, Nathan, because I listened to that podcast as well. And it sounded pretty amazing the way that they handled it, because obviously Mr. Hooper was a real person. So the cast was dealing with his death in real life. But this is how Big Bird dealt with it as well. So that, I mean, might be a good way to, for parents to learn. Yeah, I never realized until my wife shared with me that Sesame Street employs child psychologists on their staff. They're not just winging it when they come up with these shows. They really put a lot of thought into how they approach these topics. I'm sure that they do. There are some links in the show notes to articles. I'm going to list a few books that we've found helpful. Uh, first is called Nana Upstairs and Nana Downstairs. That's by Tommy DePaola. Everyone's favorite, Mr. Rogers, has a book called When a Pet Dies that can be helpful. There's one called Lifetimes, The Beautiful Way to Explain Death to Children by Brian Malone and Robert Ingpen. And then lastly, this book, Talking About Death, is two parts. The first is a read-along to do with your kids. And then the second part is more of a parent guide. And that one's by Earl Grawlman. So uh, check those out in the show notes if you need resources. All right, on Whatcom Dads Recommend, we're each going to talk a little bit about a local toy store so that you can uh, have some resources when it comes time to buy that perfect birthday gift for your child or a child that's in your life. Uh, one of my favorites is the Launching Success Learning Store. And it's a store that specializes in educational materials and then games, gifts, and toys. I've had a lot of fun just perusing their shelves I don't think I've seen a larger selection of board games anywhere else in Bellingham. And since they provide resources for teachers and folks who homeschool, there's a good mix of stuff that's just fun and then stuff that will look like fun to your kids, but will actually be uh, teachable. And they have a huge selection of STEM materials, science, technology, engineering, and math. They're offering curbside pickup now during the pandemic. And I believe, but don't quote me, that they offer free gift wrapping. Launching success is outstanding. And being married to a teacher, of course, we've been there a bunch of times. Jaegers, they're downstairs, uh, is a great toy store. Uh, you can get everything from polished rocks to puzzles to Legos. They've got a great uh, like Brio uh, wooden train set. Uh, collection um, to rent like really kind of unique games and toys boomerangs and other kinds of stuff so we've we have spent hours in that basement of Jaegers and I'm uh, I'm also sort of a sucker for kitchen gadgets and so down in that basement they also have kitchen gadgets so I'll kind of sneak away and go look at kitchen gadgets so you can leave with a uh, boomerang and a cast iron pan all on the same shopping trip <laughs> Jaegers, we love going to Jaegers. That was a great place. Kids uh, really enjoyed there. Super simple, not a toy store, but I would take the kids grocery shopping every Saturday, just giving that a little bit of a break. And we always would hit uh, Fred Meyer and Costco. But at Fred Meyer, uh, more often than not, we would swing through the toy section and I would let each kid pick out one matchbox car. Yes. 
and that was their little, I, I guess, reward for coming with me and being good. And they amassed over the years quite a collection of Matchbox cars, and they were like 99 cents. So pretty darn cheap, but very effective. Do you still have these cars? We do still have these cars, yes. Do you, are you saving them for grandkids? Uh, we are saving everything for the grandkids, yes. Fantastic. So I was going to say, I have a buddy of mine who uh, his favorite toy store is Uncle Will's, and that is the name that they have given Goodwill. And so they'll go to Uncle Will's and, uh, you know, say you can, here's $2 and which $2 in the toy section at Goodwill can buy you all sorts of good stuff. And so, uh, of course, you can find a bunch of uh, used good toys at Uncle Will's, too. Good idea. Thanks to Ross Zimmerman for joining us today. And as always, thanks to our sponsor, Robinson and Cole Attorneys. There's a link to their website in the show notes. Next week, we will once again be joined by local parent educator, Anne-Marie Reed. And maybe she and I will go mano a mano in discussing our differing parenting styles. We will present her with a variety of different parenting challenges and get her advice on how to deal with them. If you have one you would like to ask her, email the show at whatcomedadspodcast at gmail.com by Sunday evening. And as restaurants are slowly reopening next week, we will recommend local places to take your child for a birthday dinner. Singing in the shower is fun until you get shampoo in your mouth. Then it just becomes a soap opera. (laughs) So a ham sandwich walks into a bar and orders a beer. Bartender says, sorry, we don't serve food here. (laughs) Do you know what the drummer named his twin daughters? What? Anna one, Anna two. (laughs) 